I'm going to add my happy Father's Day, and if you are actually a father here this morning, would you just please stand up right where you are? Look at all these dads. Yes. So wonderful. And if you're near one of of them, uh, maybe that's your father right next to you, your husband. Um, Why don't you reach out a hand, lay a hand on them, extend a hand over these fathers, and I'm going to pray for them right now. Lord Jesus, we thank you for these men. We thank you, Lord, that you have brought us to our heavenly Father. And God, we pray that you would bring down blessings today upon these fathers here. God, we we know that Father's Day is a special day to celebrate and to have our family gathered around us. But we also know, God, that there might be some in our midst where this is a, a more of a difficult day, either because their father is not here or because their children are not here, Lord. And God, so we ask so that you would be the God of all comfort, the God of all peace. And God, that you would just enrich uh, these men's lives, that they would flourish in their uh, place as a father in their homes. And so God, bless them today, I pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. Thank you, fathers, for all that you do. Um, Well, wonderful. We are going to continue on in our series. Thankfully, today we're actually not going to talk about suffering on Father's Day. Uh, We've got a great message today from 1 Peter chapter 5. So open up your Bibles there. Uh, You might be wondering here, we've got uh, our space shuttle here. This is actually a trampoline. Uh, You might see me on this later on today. We'll see. I don't know. What do you guys think? We'll see. We'll see if that happens. So... But we're in uh, 1 Peter chapter 5, the final chapter of this great book that we've been going through. It has given us um, such hopeful instruction on how we are to live with an eternal mindset, right? And, you know, it's kind of cheesy, but I once heard the word Bible used as an acronym, B-I-B-L-E, Basic Instructions Before Leaving Earth, the Bible. And uh, this letter within the Bible, 1 Peter, has given us truth after truth of how we're to live as what Peter calls elect exiles. That is, God's people who are living here on earth as God gets us ready for heaven. And if you feel like over the last couple of weeks you've been getting sermon after sermon calling for us as a church to have greater purity and deeper Christ-likeness, that is absolutely right. That is how we prepare for heaven. That is the instruction we receive before leaving earth. And what we've been hearing from the Lord through his word is that if we're going to live for heaven, that needs to start now. That to prepare for heaven is to start living for heaven today. And the Bible tells us exactly how to do that. Basic instructions before leaving earth. And so Peter started this letter, if you remember. He says that we have been chosen by God, by the foreknowledge of God, and the sanctification by the Holy Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ. And line by line, what Peter has been doing, he's been stirring us up that we would love Jesus more, and that we would obey Jesus more. And I believe this letter has been calling us as a church to a greater holiness, that we would really follow Jesus in this world. And and I believe, church, that what we're seeing happen 
right now, as we live and as we gather together week by week, we are seeing this happen in our community. Do you see it? Do you see the change that is happening in your own life? Do you see change taking place in the lives of those around you? And I believe that if you hang around these parts long enough, you're going to see the transformation of God in your life. Can anyone say amen to that? Amen. But we have to remember, as we learned last week, that judgment begins at the house of God. And God is refining his church so that we could be an empowered people. It would be a church that is so filled with the Holy Spirit that we would light up this dark and dying world. And so I'm expecting, I'm really hopeful for this church. I'm, I'm believing that God is going to do great things in us and through us. And I, I think the reason for that is because we are going to be a church, right, who is going to not only hear the word, but we're going to go and do the word. And... and I want that in my life. I, I want to live as a Christian the way Christians are meant to live. And recently in my own life, I've been moved in my own heart and in my own mind of having a greater focus upon the kingdom of God. Having considered recently more just how every thought and every word, every decision and every action of my day matters. I want to be faithful to Jesus in the way that I think, in the way that I speak, in the way that I work, in my marriage, in my parenting, who I am as a father to my children. I want to be one who is submitted to Jesus. And I want to be faithful to Jesus as we learned last week, even in the midst of my suffering. And basically what, what I want and what I believe you want is that we want all that we are to be all for Jesus, that we would want to glorify God with our lives. And so look, what that means for me particularly, uh, just for me and my faithfulness to Jesus, is that it means that I would be faithful to shepherd this church. That's the calling that God has given me. One person even said, Happy Father's Day, not only to uh, your own children, but just as a spiritual father. And, and I love that because in, in the calling that God has given to me, I need to be faithful to shepherd his church. And what God has called me to um, in pastoring this church, I take very seriously. As you can see, I've got a trampoline behind me. I take it really seriously. And, you know, sermon after sermon, what you've been getting as I've been preaching is messages that have been refining us. But today what we get is we get a message that in many ways is just refining for me. Uh, listen, I, I have this principle that I live by as a pastor, and it's this, is that, um, is that I never want to preach a sermon to others that I haven't first preached to myself. And today's message, the text that we're going to look at today in 1 Peter chapter 5, this passage of scripture is an exhortation that is given to pastors, to those that God has appointed to shepherd the flock of God, Jesus' church. And so I guess in a sense, what you get today, kind of get a break after sort of some week after week after week of, of being challenged and being exhorted, you get to sort of listen in on me preaching a sermon to myself. And I, I think you're going to get what I mean as we look at 1 Peter chapter 5. Look in your Bible. 
We're going to go from verse 1 to verse 5. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are the chief shepherd, the overseer of our souls. God, thank you, Lord, that you are overseeing this morning, God, that you want to move with power upon these people. And so, God, I just pray that I would be faithful to to exposit your word, to bring light to your word so that people would see and know the truth that you revealed to us. Lord, would you transform us today from one degree of glory to another? Would you use my words? May I decrease today and may you increase. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. So 1 Peter chapter 5, let's begin here at verse 1. It says, so I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. What a good word for today. So Peter begins with an exhortation, and what an exhortation is, it is a strong encouragement that calls for immediate action. It's kind of the idea of is that I'm going to tell you something right now, and and it's really important, and I want you to act upon it. I want you to do it right now. That is an exhortation, an encouragement that demands action. And Peter's exhortation today is for a particular group of people. We see there in verse 1, it says, So I exhort the elders among you. We know that Peter was writing to believers who had been scattered throughout various parts of the Roman Empire in places like Pontus and Galatia and Cappadocia and Asia and Bithynia. We see that in the opening lines of this letter. And as Christians were being Dispersed and largely because of persecution, they would begin to find one another and they would assemble together. And whenever you have Christians assembling together, you have the church. But the church just isn't some kind of loosey-goosey, like, you're a Christian, I'm a Christian, we're all Christians, let's hang out, right? See, at its basis, the church, yes, it is fellowship among God's people. It's living life with one another, but the church is more than that. And the New Testament is clear in saying that the church needs to have spiritual leadership. And the New Testament prescribes a model for spiritual leadership by saying that the church is to have elders, those who are spiritually qualified by their godly character, okay? And so we find those qualifications of godly character for elders in places like Timothy and Titus. If you've been in our men's study, we've been looking at those qualifications. And so the church is to be led by elders. 
And there are different words that are used in the Greek language in the New Testament that we would translate as elder or pastor or overseer. And the word that Peter chose to use here as he starts this chapter is the word presbytero. And that word for elder uh, was sometimes used in the sense of just referring to someone's age. In fact, uh, the word itself, presbytero, finds its root within the Hebrew language where the word elder was connected to having a beard, okay? Now, is Peter just using this term elder in the sense of someone's age? Or, or is he even saying that somebody needs to have a beard to be an elder? Because for both of those things, I would be disqualified. Now, you see, the word elder, it's used more of the idea of somebody having spiritual maturity, which, let's be honest, should come with age, right? As you are growing in age, you should also be growing in spiritual maturity. But that's not always the case, right? See, the ideal situation is that as you would get older, you'd become more like Jesus. And yet age and spiritual maturity, they don't always correlate, though they should. <laughs> and, and for example, you know, if, if you're a dad in here today, then uh, hopefully today you are wiser and more spiritually mature than you were when you were a single guy in college. Amen? Amen. And, and look, I, I'm thankful that I know uh, the dads in this, in this place and believing that God is continuing to mold you and shape you into the father that you are. And so if I could just even use that word elder and give a simple exhortation to all the uh, people in this room is that as we would grow in age, would we also grow into spiritual maturity? But verse one, look at what it says again. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder, and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. So Peter understood that there were various elders that were leading the churches in the various regions that I mentioned earlier. And Peter exhorts these elders all with the same message, which is, uh, we're going to see what that message, what that exhortation is in a moment. But did you see first, what Peter does is he he gives his own qualifications for being able to speak to the elders. And, and he says, I exhort you as a fellow elder. Notice what Peter does not say. He does not say, as Pontifus Maximus, Bishop of Rome, the Pope, I beseech you therefore, right? No, he says, as a fellow elder. See, Peter says this about himself as a fellow elder. There's two things that he does here. He identifies with two things. He identifies with the people, and he identifies with Jesus. And any pastor is to have that heart. A pastor is one who loves Jesus and who loves people and brings those things together. And so... I love that Peter calls himself a fellow elder because he saw himself as being on the same level as other elders because 
Elders are those who have been loved and redeemed by Jesus and are therefore going to go and love and see God's redemption reach others. In fact, if you look in 2 Peter, he starts that letter by saying that our faith is of equal standing with his. What that means is you have equal standing in the faith as the apostle Peter. Isn't that amazing? Sometimes we look at the people in the Bible and we think, I'll never become like them. I'll never be able to be as spiritually wise or spiritually mature as the people of the Bible. Or even this, I'll never become where my pastor is. That, that's just, no, listen, you guys. We have equal standing in the faith of God. So we shouldn't limit ourselves on where we could be with God in our love for him and with our love for people. So I just love that, that Peter was writing as one who was just a fellow elder, but we know that Peter was more than a fellow elder. We even see there's something that he got to do that, that I haven't been able to experience, and that is that he was a witness of the sufferings of Jesus. That qualified Peter to speak. He was also a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. And many people think that perhaps Peter is referring to the time when he saw Jesus transfigured on the mountain. He saw that glory of Jesus. But, but you remember in both of those instances of Peter's life, kind of how he sort of botched it, right? It was like when Jesus was being crucified, yeah, he saw the sufferings of Jesus, but he stood back and watched at a distance. Or, or how Peter, when he was transfigured uh, on the mountain, he stopped. He's like, Jesus, let's make some tents, one for you and one for Elijah, one for us. It'd be great, right? See, Peter is this man as a fellow elder. Yes, he's an apostle of Jesus Christ, uh, a very special role within the kingdom of God. He is even any time you see the lists of the different disciples mentioned in the New Testament, Peter is always mentioned first. He had a place of prominence, and yet he was also just another fellow elder. And I, I just find this an encouragement for us, because Peter, just like you and I, was a guy with a nature just like ours, who at times got it so right, and then at other times just got it so wrong. I think you and I can all relate to that with Peter. And so as a fellow elder, this is the exhortation that he is giving. Verse 2 and 3, he says, Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, but not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. As I said, there's a lot for me just as a pastor to learn and to live out as an elder in this church. And this applies to all of the elders of this church. And I want to remind you, uh, or maybe tell you for the first time, who the elders of our church are. We have six elders in this church. Um, I am an elder. And then we have uh, Pastor Rob Orr. We've got Ben Kai Bui, And we've got Benjamin Kim. We also have, you're like, wait, that's four. Where's the other two? We also have, as elders, because we are a church plant that was sent out from Santa Barbara, that's the church that I pastored at for 10 years, 
We have two pastors from there, Pastor Tommy Schneider, who's the senior pastor, as well as Pastor Brett Schellebarger, who serve as elders in this church, um, just um, as wisdom and oversight to just help us uh, grow as a church plant. So those are the six elders that are called by God to shepherd the flock of God that is among us here. And so if we are the elders, we are the pastors, which by the way, that word pastor that we use, and uh, that comes from the word shepherd. Shepherd can be translated pastor. Uh, but there's various words. So if I say elder or pastor or shepherd or even overseer, maybe even the word bishop, I need you to know that we're saying the same thing. That the Bible uses those words interchangeably. And there's different nuances to each one of those words, but they're all speaking of the spiritual leadership that is to exist in and among God's people. And so for the rest of the time, I'm probably just going to say that word pastor. That's the language that we most commonly use around here. But we want you to know that um, if we are the pastors shepherding the flock of God, what does that make you? That makes you sheep. And, and, and what do you call a group of sheep? A flock. <laughs> and so this is the flock of God. There's a unique thing. I'm also part of the flock of God, as we'll see. We have a chief shepherd who leads us. But what Peter is doing is he is exhorting the elders of the church here in Palos Verdes, California in 2022. He is saying, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. So Peter was a shepherd himself, a fellow shepherd. And in fact, he was one who was restored by Jesus after the resurrection where Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Do you love me, Peter? Yes, I do, chief. Feed my sheep. Tend to the flock. So this relationship of a shepherd to his sheep is very similar and instructive to how a leader in the church is supposed to lead the church. A shepherd protects the flock from outside dangers. A shepherd keeps the sheep from wandering off. A shepherd feeds the sheep by leading them into good shepherds. Good pasture. Did you know that sheep, if you don't move them along, they'll just eat themselves into a rut. They'll literally eat in the same spot until they get stuck in a hole. And so we're continually, as shepherds, called to move people along into new and better pasture. And there are many ways that a shepherd and sheep relationship is, speaks well of the kind of relationship that leaders are to have leading the flock of God, the church. And one thing that I notice here in this exhortation is I notice that as a shepherd of God's flock, I'm to shepherd the flock that is among me. Which means that if you are here in this flock, if you're in a seat today, um, I'm shepherding you. And, and I always want to remind myself that I want to be a pastor who's not worried about who's not here. I want to be a pastor who is deeply concerned with the people who are here. And if you're here, I am deeply concerned about you. 
I, I want to see you love and grow into spiritual maturity, that you would be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. It's why I preach the gospel every week and why I stand at the door and want to know you by name and I want to get in your face and I want to hug you and I want to know you because I want to be a shepherd who loves the sheep. But there are other pastors, there are other shepherds who have their own flock, and I understand that they have the work that they're doing. Uh, today I met with a pastor from another church here in Palos Verdes, um, met with this pastor for lunch, and we just got to sit down and encourage one another, and, and to, um, to just, you know, exhort one another in the work that we're doing of shepherding God's church. And just in that sense, I want to give us now some key ways that we are to shepherd the flock of God. Notice all the things that he says we are to do. We are to exercise oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have us, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, and not domineering over those in your charge but being examples to the flock. So we're going to just tackle each one of those briefly here. So exercising oversight. You see another word there. Like I said, there's different words for leadership. There's the word overseer there. It comes from the Greek word uh, episkopeo. So we've always already heard presbytero, episkopeo. Sound familiar? Presbyterian, episcopalian. Da, 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 da. It's like, it just, shepherd the church, man. <laughs> But that's another word that's used for church leadership. And an overseer is one who watches over. Simply by the word, someone who watches over. And so as elders, we watch over a lot of things. We watch over people and their relationships and making sure that people are doing well in that. We watch over the finances of the church with good stewardship. We watch over um, the decision-making of the church. We watch over uh, the children. I mean, I was standing up there on a ladder yesterday watching over a lot of stuff in this church and just making sure, you know, things are done safely and properly. We, we watch over a lot of things in this church. We are to exercise oversight. It is an active and an ongoing task, and we love to do it. Because look, it says we're not to do it under compulsion but willingly. We do this voluntarily. No one is pulling our arm to oversee the church. We do it gladly. Amen, Ben Kai? Amen. You know, we meet as pastors here on a uh, bi-weekly basis. Every two weeks we get together on Tuesday night at 6 p.m. and we just pray and talk and we exercise oversight and we love to do it. And look, we, again, do it willingly voluntarily, even in fact, you know, three out of the four pastors here, I am the only one that is employed by the church. Truly, Rob, Benkai, and Ben are all volunteer pastors. Rob and Benkai are attorneys, and Ben is a doctor. He's a surgeon. He, he comes from, you know, cutting into people and then comes here and works on per presenter all afternoon long, right? It's just servants of the Lord, doing it willingly, not under compulsion. You know, 
Pastor Rob pretty soon here, though, is, is going to be another pastor who's going to be added to um, our staff, and we're so excited for that. He's been waiting his whole life for that opportunity, and I know he's watching online. Love you, Pastor Rob. Um, we do this willingly as God would have us because we are called by God. And as your pastors, we truly believe that the call of God upon a shepherd's life is of such great importance. I would say if you're not called, you shouldn't be doing it. Also, not for shameful gain. The King James Version uses an interesting word. He says, not for filthy lucre. Anyone got some filthy lucre in their pockets? No. Uh, I love that word. You know, it means that we're in this calling to be pastors, not for the money. Look, if I wanted to make a lot of money, I wouldn't be a pastor. <laughs> but the amazing thing is, is as a pastor, I've watched as God has abundantly provided for every need of my family. And it's amazing, it's because of your faithfulness and your generosity. And so, even just so thankful for that. But, you know, even exercising elders, the, the other elders without me decide what I should be paid. And, and they look at the budget and they look what you can give and they say, what can we afford? What can we give Daniel? And we're, they're, they're gonna make a decision that is not too high, but also not too low. Because a worker of the gospel is worthy of their wages. Those who give the gospel should also live by the gospel. And I'm thankful that I get to live in this community um, because of your faithful giving. But I'm not in it for the money. Next, we do it eagerly. You know, I'm excited to do what I get to do every single week, to stand in this pulpit and to give you something from God's word. As Romans 1.15, I, I can say the same thing Paul says, I am eager to preach the gospel. Or like Jeremiah, one of my favorite scriptures, he talks about how he tried at one point not to preach, not to speak the word of God, and then he says, his word was like a fire shut up in my bones, and I was weary of holding it back. And I feel that every week, that I just want to declare God's word, and I want to do it eagerly. And I pray that as I would be an eager pastor to this church, that you would be an eager church to hear and to do the word of God and to be led by Jesus. Amen? The next thing Peter says is to not be domineering over those in your charge. And this seems to be a growing issue in churches today, sadly. And sadly, there are times in churches where a pastor, an elder, will do something. They will behave in a certain way that will disqualify them uh, from serving in the capacity that they serve as an elder or a pastor of the church. And you know, unfortunately, many pastors have been disqualified because of things like sexual misconduct or even for substance abuse or maybe even for doctrinal issues. But I've seen something, I've noticed something in, I don't know, say the last 15 years or so in the church here in America that more and more pastors are being disqualified because they are leading their churches in a domineering way. Usually with anger. That word domineering is to be heavy-handed. Uh, it's the idea, even the other translations, is lording over the people in their leadership using manipulation or even using intimidation. 
See, a pastor is to be among God's people, loving Jesus and loving the people, even being able to say, like the pastor Peter says, your faith is of equal standing with ours. Listen, guys, I, I'm going to come down onto your same level. I don't belong on a pedestal. I am a pastor in and among the people of God. I don't want to domineer. I don't like the height of the stage. If I constructed, I'd bring it down lower a little bit. I like that I can see all your faces, which is good because I want to know your face. I want to love you and be with you. I want to be your pastor. I don't want to domineer over people. Again, by manipulation, by intimidation, or any of those things. Come give me a hug, please. Okay? Pastors are to shepherd the flock of God among them. I want to learn how to shepherd from my good shepherd. And Jesus never, he's Lord, but he never lorded over. So, I want to be able to say, like Paul was able to say, follow me as I follow Christ. I want to lead in such a way, and I know I can speak for all the pastors, all the elders of this church. We want to follow Jesus, who is our chief shepherd. We find our cues from him. Because Jesus, who is our chief shepherd, he is the greatest example. Uh, We even say this, we want to get as close behind Jesus as we possibly can so that wherever he goes, we go with him. And so, look at this next verse, verse 4. Like I said, we find our example from Jesus. He is the chief shepherd. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Jim, one day closer. I love that name for Jesus, chief shepherd. You know, it's a name that can actually be translated senior pastor. And I I even kind of, you know, I I have, I guess, that title, senior pastor or lead pastor in this church. But I know for me, uh, I have the constant and humble reminder, I am not the senior pastor. Jesus is the senior pastor of this church. This is not my church. This is Jesus' church. This is not my flock. This is Jesus' flock. You have been entrusted to my care as an under-shepherd, but Jesus is the chief shepherd. And when he appears, I get a, I get a prize. I get a, I get a reward. Do you see what I get? I get to receive the unfading crown of glory. I'm excited. Look, I'm not, I'm not in it for the money, but I'm in it for the reward. I get a crown of glory when Jesus appears. That crown of glory, it. it, it it's based off the idea of the wreaths that people would receive at the Olympic Games uh, in the ancient world. But it, it's, it's not like the leaves die away. It's this unfading crown of glory. It's this wonderful thing. But it's so funny because I read it and then I guess you're supposed to also throw it down at the throne of God. So, you, you know, it's all about what we do for Jesus in this life. Because we know that we will appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And I'm so thankful that... I know here from God's promise that if I'm faithful to be a shepherd, I will receive an unfading crown of glory. Might even cause you to consider what you're doing with your life because the fields are white unto the harvest, but the laborers are few. And maybe God has been stirring in you that you would be a pastor, that you would 
receive that reward in heaven of an unfading crown of glory. Now look at verse five. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourself, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So this is where we see that Peter is using some reference to age. He's saying to the younger people, if you're a younger person in this church, there's to be subjection, there's to be submission. We've learned about that in this book, that you would submit to those who are older than you. And I believe that what we want to see happening in this church that Pastor Rob has such a heart for is that the older men would be discipling the younger men. And that there's just be this multiplication effect of older men in the church who should be at a point in age where you've also grown in spiritual maturity, pouring into the younger men that they too would also grow into spiritual maturity. And together, the younger and the older, and guys, this isn't just for men, this is also for women, obviously, you know what I'm saying. That we would all, as the older and the younger, serve one another and bring each other more to Jesus. Because look at what Peter says. He says, all of you, all of you, regardless of your age, regardless of your role in the church, regardless of any of those things, all of you clothe yourself with humility toward one another. Love that. Next week, you're going to be hearing more about humility from Pastor Benkai, who's going to be preaching next Sunday. I have... Uh, the blessed opportunity next Sunday of being able to go to Calvary Chapel, Santa Barbara and preaching there. It's, again, the church that sent me out uh, to plant this church. And I'm so thankful that me, a, a younger pastor, was raised up and poured into by older pastors who have trained me up and to be able to lead in a faithful uh, way to Jesus. My first pastor, Pastor Ricky Ryan, my, my next pastor, Pastor David Guzik, who taught me so much about what it means to teach the Bible, and Pastor Tommy Schneider, who's the senior pastor there now, the, the biggest encourager, the one who's just like, go for it, and, and to love the people. And so I've learned so much from these pastors in my life, and I'm so thankful, even next Sunday, to be able to go see a whole nother flock that I loved for 10 years and to be able to minister there. So you're gonna be blessed next week to hear more on humility from Pastor Benkai. But I'm just gonna, I'm gonna dip into your text next week, but you need to preach on this next week. God opposes the proud. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Church, let's be a humble church. Let's be a humble people. Lord Jesus, would you make me a humble pastor whom you have called to shepherd this flock of God here? God, I love these people. God, I love you, and I want to bring these people with me to your eternal kingdom. But thank you, Jesus, that it is you, Lord, who draws but God, you, you don't draw the proud. You resist the proud. There is a, there's a resistance to the pride that is in our hearts that you do not invite. But God, you are so happy to pour out grace 
upon grace upon grace upon those who are humble. And I love you for that, Jesus. It's in your name we pray, amen, amen.